Well, good morning. I'm so excited to be here today. I'm Stacy Nation. I'm a licensed clinical social worker. I am embarking on a series of interviews with humans that I know who are just amazing. And I'm doing some chitty chats with people in the trenches. And I'm so excited for my guest today. Her name is Amy Kota. And I have known her for a very long period of time, it feels like. And so uh, I'm going to just let her introduce all the greatness about her. And so welcome, Amy. Thanks for being on my show today. I appreciate it. Thank you so much, Stacy. I love seeing you and talking with you. So thanks for having me. Yeah, I am excited to just get into who you are and what you do. And um, you and I have known each other, I would say, almost a decade, probably. Wow. Yeah, definitely. I know when I think back to how, how long my journey has been going, like it doesn't feel that long, but then put a number to it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So Amy is one of the amazing adopted parents that I have in my life. And when I moved to Colorado, I landed in this journey of working with parents who have all sorts of adopted children. And you were one of my first clients in Colorado. And I have just fallen in love with your whole family. And I appreciate that honor and privilege. So tell me about you. I know a lot about you, but tell me, tell my audience about you and what you want them to know. Okay. Wow. So I am a life and parent coach now. And um, my journey to this new career has come from my journey through parenthood with my two kiddos. So I have two adopted daughters who um, we were, we adopted from Calcutta, India, and uh, both of them have, they're both neurodivergent and they both have some kind of special complex physical needs as well. But, um, you know, they're awesome. Loves of my life. <laughs> and absolutely. absolutely. And it has been such a journey though. And, um, how I've gotten to where I am. So through theirs, they've had some struggles, of course, you know, and that's how we met you because they've had some traumas from the adoption and the orphanage and, you know, just all of the early childhood experiences that they had. And through my journey of parenting them, um, you know, we work in this Western society with Western medicine and there's this concept, right, of um, everything should be comfortable and there shouldn't be suffering and what can we do to alleviate it? And when it starts happening with your kiddos, it's terrifying. And when my kiddos started to struggle, I was terrified because I had absolutely no background in mental health and just had no idea what was going on. And things started happening to me. I started becoming very anxious and they were struggling and the doctors that I would take them to would just put them on medication after medication. And that is actually how my journey took me into coaching and how my career has progressed because about, gosh, six or seven years ago, I just couldn't take it anymore. You know, I just kept hearing how complex my kids were and nothing was helping them. And I just decided that uh, well, part of my issue is probably I was a little too enmeshed with my parenting, but I decided I was going to do more. <laughs> There's always more, right? 
Yeah. Um, so I went to grad school and decided I was going to study nutrition and try to help my kiddos from more of a holistic full body way instead of looking for someone to come in and give them a pill or a strategy because those things weren't working. And so with the grad school and while I was there, um, I found myself being pulled more and more towards the psychology and the behavioral aspects. I was finding myself doing all of my research papers on uh, you know, nutrition and the brain and talking about brain chemicals and the gut brain connection and all of that. And it just kept pushing me more and more towards the psychology piece. I just found it so interesting and ended up shifting completely from that into coaching because coaching is all about human behavior and helping to support people making changes. And, um, what I found when I, I took a coaching program and uh, became board certified through the MBHWC, which is this national board of uh, health and wellness coaching. And I got to the point where I started using the coaching with my kids. And it was incredible because I found all of a sudden that just changing things like uh, my communication and my mindset about what was happening in my family, suddenly things started to change. And they changed way more than any medication, for instance, ever did in my family. So um, that just kind of propelled me along my health coaching uh, career and changed, morphed into parent coaching. And now my client base is parents who basically are kind of on a journey that was like mine. They have kiddos who um, are often neurodivergent and they're struggling with either mental health or nervous system challenges and they need help. They need help, not just with their parenting, but um, with themselves. You know, we, we lose ourselves and we get so stressed and so caught up and it just takes over uh, our entire lives when our kiddo is suffering. And those are the people uh, that I work with now to help out. Oh, I love this because there's such an arc to your story, right? Yeah. And so what I often talk to parents about, well, first of all, adoptive parents are some of my favorite humans on the planet because you are choosing this journey in a way that some parents don't choose it. Right. And you are also in this, like, I chose this and my kid's not well. And I'm committed to figuring out wellness and you are addressing so many components. Well, first of all, our mental health system is really hard and there's lots of barriers, right? And the medical practice model is very much, we have an identified patient. There's something wrong with that patient. We're going to do everything we can to fix the patient. Exactly. It's all about fixing Yeah. And it just doesn't work in adoptive, especially in adoptive families, right? It doesn't work because you're very much like it's a systems sort of issue. Exactly. And everyone in the system has to adjust and you're adjusting to these wonderful creatures who were born into really tragic situations or very hard, difficult circumstances, orphanages, trauma, all that kind of stuff. And their whole wiring system is complex and complicated. 
and usually totally different than what yours may have been or your husband's may have been or oh, exactly it's right. such a learning process right it is because you figure out well you have you start thinking back to how was I brought up and you know that's that's how we parent we just expect to parent in the way that we were parented and you know it's it's not really even conscious right it's subconscious and we start doing that with these kiddos who their brains are very different than ours and they were molded so differently and it just doesn't work yeah there's a couple of questions I want to ask you because I think it's really important part of your story. One of the reasons I adore you and your family is because you are massive information seeker. Right. <laughs> and I want to know what it's like to be a parent who has more knowledge than the doctors that are treating your children <laughs> about what's happening with your children. I think that's a really common experience for parents. Mm -hmm. And I just, I have some guesses, but I want to hear your answer to that. Well, that's interesting because I, I was talking to a client about that the other day, because we feel like, um, I think when we start this journey, we have a perception of the doctors, the health professionals that we're working with, that they're kind of a knight in shining armor for us, or that's what we want. Right. I mean, that would be great. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> that would be, I would love for somebody to, to do that. Um, but then we find out through our journey, like we, we are our own <laughs> knight in shining armor. So when we, you know, we start out thinking they have all the answers and then we find out they don't. And then, you know, I talk about it, like you kind of have to get to this point where uh, you have to accept that, which is mm. very difficult. You have that piece of expectations versus acceptance is just at the base of so much of what we struggle with. And I think about it like building a house, like we're the, we're the primary contractor of a house build and whether we like it or not, we're in charge. And all of these people are like coming in and building parts of the house and we have to put it all together to make it a structure. And that's like life, right? But you know, every, you have to understand that everybody has their own perspective and their own specialty. And we have to pull from that what we need and what we can use and leave the rest and that is just, it's such a learning to get to that point. It's pretty wild. So I've been in this field for a very long time and people will say, Cece, you're an expert. And I always say, I am not an expert of your kid. You as a parent are the expert of your kid. I am along the path with you to add information, to help guide on the journey, to give you some additional insight. Yep. You are the expert. And I don't think the medical model is really built for parents to be the expert of their children. Right. Now. So I yeah. would imagine that, that I'm going to ask you a lot of these questions, Amy, and then we're going to talk about like what you do at the end, but sure. I want to know in this journey, I mean, what was this, what has this been like for your, your marriage, your family, how much stress of navigating all these components of getting your children help has it put on you as an individual and you and your husband? Oh, that's, that's so huge. I, I look back over the last 10 years and it is astounding how much our lives have changed and, you know, what we've morphed in and out of. I mean, we started out when I met you in Colorado yep. and we lived in one town and we actually moved uh, within Colorado to get closer to services and schools for our kiddos. 
and it didn't work or, you know, it wasn't a, a great fit. Yep. Um, and then one of our kiddos struggled more and ended up uh, going to a residential treatment center in Montana. So we actually, to try to help with that transition back into our family, we moved to Montana <laughs> and again, more, more changes. And now we are living outside of Chicago in a suburb. So we've moved now like three major moves in order to get our family to the place where we have the most support. And these have all been very intentional moves. Um, and now we're at a place where, you know, we have family nearby and the school system is fabulous and it's a tremendous fit, but it took us a while to get here. So it's like, I just, I look at life like a science experiment and <laughs> some things work and some things don't. And I don't call them failures, even though they're kind of failures sometimes, but it's more of just a learning. This worked, this didn't work. What didn't work and what's the next best thing? What can we try next? And so I feel like we've kind of been doing that over the last decade. And then at the same time, you know, that has like, you know, that has ripple effects through our family and with my marriage. And, you know, my husband and I are two different personality types, two very different people. And we deal with what is going on in our family in very different ways. Um, and, you know, he, I know he wouldn't mind me telling you, but he has had a huge struggle dealing with what's going on, not being able to fix your child, right? Sure. Because you always, you know, why can't you do it? And you get all of, you hear these things externally all the time from other people, from friends and family members, you know, what's, why doesn't your child do that? Why can't you do that? You know, and it's always a reflection of your parenting. And that was very hard for him. And there was a time where we actually uh, did not live in the same house for a while because that's yeah. just where our family took us. And that's what our family dynamics needed in order to become healthy again. Yeah. And interestingly, you know, you start feeling isolated, like you're the only person who's going through all this, but I have talked to so many people and all of these happen to all of us a lot. Nobody really talks about it. Well, and that's why I'm asking the question, right? So I always say people are the best parents before they become parents, yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> you say, I would never let my child do this uh -huh. or this. I would never do that. And, um, and then I also say like, no one knows what happens in a marriage except for the two people in that marriage. Yep. And all of this is so normal. And I appreciate you just being vulnerable and talking about it. Yeah. And <clears throat> and I know your husband, I know he's been on his own journey in all of this. Right. And exactly. so part of, and this happens with both biological children and adopted children happens oh, sure. kids who don't have diagnoses and kids who do have diagnoses, all the things. And so right. I just think that it's so when you're on a journey of health and wellness for your kid and it doesn't, and your kid doesn't fit in the box of how we're supposed to fix kids it takes a tremendous amount of stress to, and it, it puts a, a tremendous amount of stress on a family unit. And oh, so much. One of the things I love about you and your family is the, the dig inness of like not giving up of seeking more. And my therapist tells me, Stacey, you're always collecting data. And so when I hear you say it feel, it's not a failure. I'm like, yeah, you're just collecting data. That didn't work. What's our next option. That didn't work that right. Like, I love that. Yeah. Yeah. And it just, uh, it just literally hurts my heart when I hear people 
when I hear parents who, you know, I've been there, who are in complete despair and they feel like they feel this horrible guilt and shame about what is happening in their families or with their child or whatever. And that just, uh, that's for the people that I love to help because it doesn't need to be like that. Yes. And I think the more we talk about it, the more we normalize it. I tell yeah. people all the time, I can talk parenting eight hours a day, seven days a week. I can tell, I can give you all sorts of advice, but if you ask me how I'm handling my teenagers, some days I'm not doing very well, yeah. right? Like I know why I'm not doing very well. And I, the things that come out of my mouth are never what I would tell my families to do. Right. Oh, exactly. It's, it's the human experience. So I have, I have one more question about your situation that I think is really important to t- kind of talk about. Sure. Um, I want to know how having a biracial family has been on your journey, because I also think this is a topic not very many people are chatting it up about. Like you have, you have a complex racial dynamic and we don't talk about that very often. So I'm curious what your thoughts are on that. Yeah, that's funny. I don't think about it very often until something like smacks me in the face. Yeah. <laughs> um, but but yeah, both of my children are uh, Indian and my husband is as well. So, you know, we had our two blended families even before we had kids, which was a trick all to itself. And then, you know, we have brought the kids in and um, yeah, that's been interesting because I try really hard to keep that in mind and give my kids you know, try to make sure, um, you know, that they are in touch with who they are and to help them, you know, with their search for their identity, especially now they're both teenagers. And I know that that's just a big piece and, uh, it's, it's hard to be intentional about it, but it's another thing to be intentional about because I've learned so much about, um, privilege and my eyes have been (laughs) unbelievably opened over the years seeing, how people treat us as a family, how people treat my family members differently. And I have to always keep in mind, you know, this, I have a lot of privilege that they don't. Mm -hmm. And one of the reasons that we moved to where we are right now is for the diversity aspect. Yep. And it's amazing what it creates, because I think as, you know, I've always tried to give that to our kids, but you know, sometimes you, you just can't give them everything yourself, right? That's that enmeshed parenting issue. Sure. Um, but you want to, uh, but we're now, like, I remember we walked into the school that the kids are going to now, and it's a public high school. It's one of the top 20 in the country. It is fantastic. There are 5,000 students at this school. My kids were in Montana before this and it's like, grades or whatever. Yeah. Huge culture shock. I was terrified about how they would feel, but we walked in for the tour and we were standing there and it was class change. And all of a sudden there's this like, oh, these kids are walking around us. And uh, my older daughter was standing there and she's just looking around wide-eyed and she said, oh my gosh, mom, look at all of these. There's so many people here who look like me. Yeah. And you know, then I was like, okay, here we are. That is, that is something I could never give her that she found. And that was just huge for me. So I don't know it's, that's, that's been a journey. That's, that's yeah. been I appreciate you just 
talking about that, I think I have multiple families I work with who have moved for that diversity component. And one of the things we often talk about is the importance of that felt safety, the importance exactly. of feeling safe, right? And yeah. when she's seeing people of diversity, people of color, people who look like her, all of a sudden that safety is just built in, in a way that we can't provide. And I think there's so, it's so important to just mention that. I think it is too, that. because you could, I could just see it. I mean, that's, that, that is the perfect word because her whole body changed. Like it wasn't an, it was not an intellectual thought. It was a body feeling. And that's just an amazing thing to see. Yeah. And what's interesting about that is you as a parent have spent decade plus some trying to figure out how do I help my child feel that felt safety? How do I help my child feel connected, feel safe? And all of a sudden you're like, oh, we're in a place of diversity, which terrified you and helped that it's this help them feel safe, which is this like interesting dynamic that we don't often think about. Right. And the medical model is not going to say, Hey mom, she needs some more people of color around her. She needs some more, Uh, right? Like it's a very uh, interesting journey. Yeah. It's like, you have to step back and look at this big, full holistic picture of all like, you know, the environment and all these other things and they, they play into it to such a degree that, you know, just, just to think back of where I was like, I guess 15 years ago now it's, it is a 180. (laughs) It's a wild ride. So let's just chat about, let's chat about what you're doing. What kind of services are you offering? Who are you, who's your ideal person you want to serve and help and support? Uh, you have so many gifts, Amy. So I imagine this, this could oh, be like this whole range. Well, I'm biased. I, 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 I know, I know. I, I feel the same <laughs> about you. <laughs> Everywhere I go. Um, no, I work with, so I, I do parent coaching and my, you know, my ideal client is uh, a parent such uh, who's on a journey like we are basically. And I work with parents of children who, uh, you know, are neurodivergent. They might be on the autism spectrum or whatever. And um, often uh, sometimes adoptive families and uh, their kids are struggling. So usually by the time they connect with me and I think uh, what you know, they, they hear me talk or they read my bio on my website and they say, oh my gosh, I've been looking, like, I didn't know I was looking for you, but your story sounds so familiar, which is awesome because, you know, that's, those are the people that, that I want to help. And um, yeah, so their kids usually by the time we work together are normally teenagers and they've been on this journey for a while And they're dealing with things like, you know, the parents are feeling physically ill because they've been so entrenched in this and working so hard and giving so much without caring for themselves. And, you know, their kids are struggling. Maybe they're in a residential treatment center or they're considering it, you know, something like that. So these are kids with some big struggles and parents who, um, you know, just need some support along the way. Yeah. Well, do they have to be adoptive parents? Can they be bio parents too? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Love it. Uh, what about, what kind of, like, what are you offering? So you're, you know who your ideal client is. Are you doing some consultation and some coaching around shift this dynamic, do this, look at that. What are, what is a, 
what does a session or a time with Amy look like? <laughs> oh, sure. Yeah. So I offer like three different things. So either one-on-one programs where, you know, work individually with someone to get a lot of attention and weekly coaching plus some support in between. Sure. And then I do some small groups where you can get kind of that community dynamic. And then I also do just some strategy sessions, you know, just like a one hour, let's talk about this issue you're having right now. Um, but the kind of the, the base um, framework that I use, I've come up with a methodology that I call the safe methodology. Mm-hmm. It's um, for its parent education and coaching. And so safe is an acronym and it stands for uh, shift accept, free, and empower. So Mm. one of those modules are pieces that uh, are going to guide our coaching and help educate them. And especially in my groups, we use this. So it's like shifting from this traditional um, parenting model of control and, you know, certain communication styles, learning about the nervous system, learning how to communicate in a different way, And then just kind of going through working on mindset and mindfulness and uh, kind of working through boundaries and those kind of things um, in each module all along the way to kind of take parents from this place of like fear-based parenting, which is where they normally are when I meet them, to the other side of the little lower side of the bridge where they're feeling much more confidence and they're finding peace in their life. And then they can take these tools that I've given them and move forward with them in order to like keep building on that in the future. Love it. One of the things that you've mentioned that has been become a huge part of my practice and my discussions with family is this piece around nutrition and yeah. the gut situation, right? The gut and nervous system connection, gut and brain stuff. And so I just want you to share maybe one example of a win that you've had when it comes to parents shifting nutrition and what does that look like for their kid and how nutrition can also impact behavior. Yeah, that's, that is always a tough one. And in my situation, I've had to be more of uh, what I've had to do is teach my kids more of intuitive eating and how to listen to their bodies in order to eat the right foods and uh, you know what is good for them and what works well for their brain and their bodies. And interestingly, working with my kids on that, and this has been a big piece for us because when I started health coaching, I was in it more for the, you know, it's, it's very centered on losing weight and that sure. type of thing. And when you're doing restriction, you're not listening to your body. And my kids heard me, you know, about those kind of things. And I had to fix that um, in myself over time. And both of my kids, they struggle with food and they always have. And now it's more like, um, you know, let's, let's eat and let's have a variety of foods and try it and see how it feels in your body. And then let's talk about it. And believe it or not, it really, it really works. I have one kid who is a foodie and I have another kid who only basically likes to eat soft white things. Right. And, and they both have kind of met in the middle by picking up this intuitive model, just by having food available and just by learning what feels good. Because like my younger one, uh, she has eating issues and she'll eat too much because she doesn't have those sensory fullness. Um, it, It just, 
those neural connections in her brain are just not functioning completely correctly. So she'll eat way too much and then she would throw up. Mm -hmm. And I've taught her over time now just to feel her body as she's eating and she does. And we don't even have that issue anymore. So it's just interesting. It, you know, it's just such a nervous system related piece. You make a good point because one of the things that I talk a lot about with parents and I'm sure you do too, is how much our kids are disconnected from their body and, and you learn early in life, right? You learn within the first year of your life, how to be satiated. Right. And if you are not in a safe environment in that first year of life, where you can feel satiated, where you're getting fed when you need to get fed, where you're, you know, when you're full, you can stop eating when you're hungry, you can eat that impacts your ability to understand that satiated feeling forever until you have someone who's teaching you that. And so oftentimes I'll have parents who are like, well, they eat too much. They have an eating disorder, right? It becomes like a disordered framework where you're going like, wait a minute, how is this wiring connected to their system? What do we need to teach them? And I love how you're like, I've just learned to teach them to tune into their body and connect to their body. Yeah. I mean, that's actually, that's absolutely right. And that's a good point because, you know, we always say, you know, infants, they, they eat when they're hungry, they know, and they stop feeding when they're not hungry. And, and when a kid didn't have that, you know, it makes big, a big difference, but it's funny because that reminds me of a time I spoke to you a few years ago. I don't know if you remember, but I was talking about a situation with my daughter getting up in the middle of the night and stealing candy. Yep. I do and, yeah. Yeah. And I don't, you know, I, I put candy in her room. So in her closet, she has a stash of food and she can access it whenever she wants. So she doesn't have to climb into the cabinets in the middle of the night, hiding, thinking she's doing something wrong. She has it. I keep it in her closet where she can access it anytime she wants to. And she barely even touches it now. So it's so interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I love how you just get curious about the natural systems of the body and you're helping parents understand, you know, perhaps developmental stages they've missed. What does their wiring need now? Like you're really normalizing that stress response system and those nervous system components. And I think that it's so critical. The other thing that I just love about the work you're doing, Amy, is you've, you've been in the trenches, like you've done this. I've seen you at the highs. I've seen you at the lows. I feel very honored about that, by the way. Um, And now you're in a place where you can give that to other people and say, here, this is a, leave your judgy McJudgerton outside. We're here to be in this guilt-free, shame-free space and talk about how hard this journey is. Exactly. People just need to open up about it. I swear. That's just something I've also learned along this journey is once you start talking about it, if you're the person to just start talking about it, all of a sudden everyone around you is like, Oh, I know, or this happens in my thing, you know, and it's, it's so normal. It's so, we just need to talk about it. It is normal. Well, if people want to get a hold of you, how do they reach you? What's the best way to get a hold of you? Well, uh, I have a website, which is amykcoach.com. And I can also be found on social media, on Facebook or Instagram. And uh, it's also, it's at amykcoach. So 
Love it. And we will put all those links at the bottom of this episode. So if you, if you wanted to leave our audience, people who are listening to this with one sort of thought that, you know, you probably a thought you've said hundreds of times to hundreds of people, uh, what would you, what would you say? Uh, you know, if it's, if I am speaking to a parent, I would say, you know, you, you're doing a great job. Mm. Just pause and take a moment and let it go. You are doing a fantastic job. Love that. What if you're speaking to a know-it-all professional like me? (laughs) Know-it-all professional. What What would you say? Like, how can professionals, you know, professionals, experts, how can they be supporting parents who are on this journey that you're supporting? What do they need to know? Sure. I think uh, the best way to be supportive is to understand that the parents do know their kids the best and they need, they just need to be heard. And the kids need to be heard more than the parents. Even those kids need to be heard. And it's, it's life-changing once everyone has their voice and they feel heard. Love that. Love that. Amy, I appreciate you. I love the work that you're doing. I miss you and your family and I hope you give them a tight little squeeze for me or a high five or a, you know, an elbow bump or whatever it is. They feel yeah, whatever we're doing these days, Yeah, whatever, whatever that is. Um, and I just, I just think it's so what, one of the things I love about you is your vulnerability. And I know that anybody who is working with you knows that you're going to come at it from a frame of this is, I've been on this journey and I'm still on this journey. Like that's one of the things I think about. um, I had a friend tell me this week, there's no hood like parenthood. And I love that so much. I I love that. that. I never heard that. Some of the people listening have heard that. I love that. I was like, I feel that so deeply, right? So even though you're having wins and maybe you're further along in the journey, you're still on the journey. And that's (laughs) one of the things I love about it is, and that's what people tell me all the time. Stacey, we love working with you because you're in it with us. I'm like, yeah, I'm a parent. I'm, I'm got my own mental health stuff. I've been through trauma. Like that's to me, those are the people. Yeah. That are like, I'm not here to tell you how this is going to go perfectly. It's actually not, but it's hilarious. Yeah. I posted an Instagram the other day, a video about like this big win that I was noticing. And then the next day, like total disaster. I'm going to talk to you. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And so I think that's the piece of the journey. Like I am, I love knowing humans who are not presenting perfectly, but are messy and perfectly in the mess. Yeah. That's where you feel. Yeah. Yeah. So I just appreciate you taking the time to be with us today. And I'm so excited for my audience to learn about you and meet you and access you and, you know, follow you and all the things that you're doing. You're doing such great work. So thanks for your time today. Thank you so much. And ditto all the way back to you. You're doing amazing things as well. And uh, thanks for the opportunity. I appreciate it, Stacey. Love you. Yes. All right. I love you too.